Welcome to Ultimate Sports Parent Radio, where we help parents and coaches instill confidence and success in young athletes at YouthSportsPsychology.com. This is Lisa Cohn. Today on Ultimate Sports Parent Radio, our topic is why girls drop out of sports at a rate that's six times higher than boys. Our guests are Samantha Salvia, a sports coach who leads Positive Coaching Alliance workshops for coaches, athletes, and parents in San Francisco. And also joining us here in Portland is Benjamin Dudley, Executive Director of the Portland Chapter of the Positive Coaching Alliance. You'll learn how much pressure is too much, what to do when kids underperform, how to improve your kids' confidence, and much more. Visit YouthSportsPsychology.com. And while you're there, pick up our free ebook, 10 Tips to Improve Kids' Confidence and Success in Sports. Hi, Ben, and hi, Sam. It's really great to have you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. It's an honor to be able to, to visit with you today and be on the podcast. So let's talk about that rate. So confirm with me, girls are dropping out at a rate that's six times higher than boys, and we already know that 75% of kids drop out about the time they're 13, correct? That is correct, and, and that's the statistic that got me involved in Positive Coaching Alliance in the first place, was that dropout rate by the age of 13. I didn't even start competing in organized sports until I was 13. I think that's just when it's starting to get good. Mm-hmm. When you ask kids why they drop out, the number one reason that kids give, both girls and boys, is that they say it's not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the underlying reason why girls drop out at such a higher rate, I think, is more complex. And it's things like a lack of role models, uh, cost, access, society messages around gender and sports that start to collide, uh, media coverage that's focused on male sports, and at times a lack of parental support. Yeah, that makes sense. That <laughs> I, I, actually, that was some of my experience, a little bit of my experience when I was growing up. The boys were more important although they did support me. They just didn't come to all my games because I was the girl. So we've got lack of role models. We have lack of female coaches, correct? Yes, yes. About 15% of youth sports coaches are female currently. Now, in that graphic that you gave me, I saw that, and maybe I didn't read it correctly, both boys and girls say that it's not fun anymore. Yes, that's correct. That When you ask kids why they drop out, that's the number one reason both boys and girls give, but it's not fun anymore. But you think that for girls dropping out more at this rate that's six times higher, it's more about the issues that you discussed, the lack of role models, the uh, lack of parental support, the lack of female coaches, the way the media portrays uh, sports. Those are all maybe just as important. I think, well, those I, think, are all, I think those are all contributing to it. Go ahead, Ben. I, well, I just think when you ask a kid – why do you not want to play? And if they just say it's not fun, what is what is behind the fun? You know, what makes an experience fun for a kid? And I think that what we're finding as we dig into this research is it's how that word is defined is different for boys and girls and mm-hmm. uh, on some levels. And when we dig in deeper, I mean, the sad thing is this the six to one dropout rate is trending the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I mean, several years ago on your own podcast, you, when you interviewed um, Joan Steindinger um, about her book, I think at the time the rate was, was two to one. Mm-hmm. And that was back in 2013. So, you know, we're this trend is going the wrong way. And mm-hmm. we have to look at sports and the youth sports culture and, and try to see what is going on that's causing 
you know, female athletes to just to have such a, a steep dropout because it's concerning to us as the positive coaching lines because we really, you know, for us, our whole our whole, you know, vision and, and mission is to develop better athletes and better people through youth sports. And, and sports is such a vehicle for teaching life lessons. Mm-hmm. But if kids play, they, they miss out on those opportunities. And mm-hmm. so we see this as just a big, big red flag that's concerning to us. And that's why it's something our organization is really trying to focus in on for a, for a, for a season for sure to, to figure out how we can address it. Now, I want to say that when my daughter was playing um, basketball and soccer um, up until, I think she played up until um, middle school, one of the coaches kept saying to me, oh, I hope she stays through, wait a minute, was it middle school? Through high school, because in high school, well, starting in middle school, I think he said, they start doing dance and theater. Now, is that a reason at all? Because the truth was, um, my daughter did start doing dance and theater, but she's still an athlete. You know, she still runs, she walks, she'll, you know, pick up a soccer ball. And that's really, that was my goal all along. But um, she did end up dancing. So is that an issue? You know, I, I personally, I consider dance a physical activity and a sport as well. In mm-hmm. fact, I'll be doing some workshops for some, from some dancers later this week that we at a dance academy that Positive Coaching Alliance partners with. So I don't really think that's the that's a problem that we're talking about because that's okay. still supporting being lifelong physical activity. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the, the more of these girls that, that are, are kind of lost to these activities altogether mm-hmm. um, or, or burnout because of early pressure. There's a lot of different reasons. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what do you think is the number one? Have you identified the number one reason they're dropping out? Is it um, lack of role models and female coaches? You know, I don't think it's, it's something we can distill down to just one reason. I think it's all of these factors uh, coming together Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's not all bad news. I think it's, it's a combination. There are more girls playing now than, than ever before in terms of overall numbers, Mm -hmm. but we're still seeing a persistent gender gap that there's more boys that play sports than girls at every age, not just Mm -hmm. at the drop off that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, and that gap is most dramatic for girls that are in low income areas and girls of color. So that's another another issue around this in terms of access and mm-hmm. and the the pay to play culture that's evolved around youth sports now. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit more about the play to pay to play culture? Well, you know, when I was when I was growing up, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna be- betray my age. You know, I grew up in the 80s and the early 90s, and uh, you know, kids there was a lot of free play. Kids played outside, and now there's much more of a culture of enrolling kids in organized sports activities starting at a very young age, and they can be quite costly, mm-hmm. and especially the, the elite club teams. You know, in my community, if you want to play club soccer, it's easily two grand a year. So It's so, so true here. Leaves, <laughs> yeah, and that leaves, you know, that leaves a lot of kids behind if their parents can't afford for them to play. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that's a really unfortunate development, and I certainly want to continue to see more school-based programs and park and rec-based programs and opportunities for kids to play that aren't that aren't so so not just in terms of the monetary cost but also the time cost to parents of driving kids around to very distant locations for tournaments it's a whole lifestyle choice in some cases Mm -hmm. it's it's really different than it used to be Mm -hmm. Um, now why would the the cost affect girls more than boys well, that's a very good question, and I, I'm not a complete expert in this area, but, but some of the things that, that I have heard um, 
in the work that I've been doing, and, and we recently convened some experts to look at the issue of women in coaches along with LA84 Foundation and the Alliance of Women Coaches. And one of the things we heard was when resources are tight mm-hmm. in families, often the boys' sports participation is prioritized over the girls. Mm-hmm. That was true of my family. Uh, so that might be one reason why we see as we're in a pay-to-play culture that, that girls aren't able to or are not playing as much as boys are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to my work with the U.S. with um, Positive Coaching Alliance, I was working with the U.S. Soccer Foundation, running um, soccer programs in underserved communities in the Portland metro area. Mm-hmm. And what we start, what we noticed too, is when you talk about the pay-to-play structure, that is what it has done is it's created a culture of if you have the means to do it, mm-hmm. then you and then you can at least still choose to do it, and not everyone does. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the resources, you don't even have an option. Mm-hmm. So so it's not that the kids, a lot of kids don't want to play. They just don't have access to even have the choice to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you add limited access on top of, you know, different, when you start to get older with, with uh, there's still gender stereotypes that are very prevalent in many different cultures. I mean, mm-hmm. Portland and some of our communities, um, we have out in Outer East County, 80 plus languages spoken. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a very even though Portland demographically is traditionally like 70% Caucasian, Outer East County in, in the Portland metro area is 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 very diverse, and, mm-hmm. and you have all these different cultures with all these different expectations of of what the role, um, and there's still a lot of um, gender stereotypes around like this is the role of the the young woman in our household and and so by the age of thirteen the expectation is you come home and you take care of family and you help cook and 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 so not only are they overcoming the financial struggles but there's still cultural um, things that are are prohibiting um, girls from participation which is you know it's not good or bad it's just that's the reality I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, in the group that uh, my daughter played with, she played, she stuck with soccer and played basketball when she was like five, six, and seven. Um, they were just pretty white and pretty wealthy. She ended up on a, uh, what do they call it? Um, I think it was an elite team, but I, they called it classic. And classic, yeah. and, and they were all pretty white and pretty wealthy. <laughs> she ended up dropping out at that point. Um, after a year or so of that. But that's, you know, that's what we experienced fairly recently. Um, Let's talk about women coaches, um, because I had my own personal experiences as a woman coach. Um, I coached my daughter's basketball and soccer team starting when she was five, along with um, her older brother, who's 10 years older than her, who's a great athlete. And he was really committed to making it fun. And so was I. And the parents kept complaining that we weren't drilling them enough. And they kept saying, oh, let's go find. And they even said to me, we're going to go find a guy coach. <laughs> so I just want to I just want to tell you my experience. Um, I think I sent that, a story I wrote about that to you, Ben, at <laughs> the Christian Science Monitor. Because yeah. it kind of blew my mind. Well, what, well we've, you know, what we've found with the positive coaching lines, and one of the things that we really try to do is in, is to set up what we call a development zone culture mm-hmm. because you're right as a coach if you're trying to do things that are really positive for your kids but you're not getting the support from parents right then you, then it's not going to work and if you're not getting support from your athletic director or your club director 
or the athletes aren't buying in, then it doesn't it doesn't reach it doesn't help the kids reach their full potential. So that's really what Positive Coaching Alliance is trying to do is help kids reach their full potential. So we when we would work with an organization, you know, if that were the case, we would really try to stress to have uh, we offer parent workshops where we can come in and talk to parents about what is your role at, with your kids' youth sports experience. Is your role the coach? If you're not the coach, then your role is to support your kid and and if kids, their number one reason they play youth sports is to have fun, and the number one reason they quit is they're not having fun. So right. let's take the pressure off and let's make it about the kid. And 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 yeah, so that's a common, a far too common tale, which is unfortunate. And that's really what we're out to try to help change. Yeah, and I think the kids were having a blast. I I don't I never got the sense that the that the kids were not having fun. And I think some of these were um, co-ed teams, at least when they were five years old. Um, and right. then, I, then I think uh, as they got older, they became um, uh, all girls and all boys teams. But when my son and I were doing it, I think they were mostly co-ed teams, and the kids seemed to be having a blast. Um, so let's talk more about uh, women coaches. Why do we not see women stepping up to be coaches? Oh, I, I could. We only have 20 minutes, right? I could. I could go on about this topic for a long time. I want to come back to to your story. The experience that you described really aligns with experiences I've heard from other women coaches and there's a there's a um, AYSO in Santa Monica that's just started a program to recruit more women coaches and one of the common experiences and I've heard this from college coaches down to youth sports coaches like you're describing is that parents will walk up to the coach and who's a woman and say well where's the coach yes all all the time (laughs) that's not the coach and so this this AYSO printed t-shirt that said this is what a coach looks like on the back and Mm -hmm. distributed them to their female coaches so, um, so I think that there's there's a lot of what you've described these gender stereotypes around women can't coach or maybe they can't coach boys or are they going to be competitive enough? And it's it can be intimidating to be uh, consistently in in the strong minority when you're a woman coach and then to have additional questions from parents. It's not necessarily a supportive environment. Right. Um, and it also puts you in the in the position of you know how hard am I going to fight this and in front of my kid and her friends and do I want to look like a jerk? I mean, it makes it hard. You know, yeah. I, I wanted yeah. everyone I wanted everyone to have fun and I didn't want to you know put a ton of energy into fighting the system while I was doing it. Um, I actually had the same experience as a um, uh, doing. Uh, a co-ed sporting group, very very similar. The guy I was doing it with just treated me like I was um, a mashed potato. <laughs> it was really bad. So even now it's funny. Now I I did take him on because he really really upset me. <laughs> but um, so yeah, we still see. It just amazes me as someone who has played sports all her life to see this still happening now. This kind of behavior. I. I, I agree with you that it's frustrating, and so one of the ways that I channel my frustration is through the work that I do with Positive Coaching Alliance, because it gives me an opportunity to get in front of coaches, to get in front of parents, to get in front of youth sports organization leaders, and talk about these issues, and and talk about what what our, what our intent is with kids that we're working with in sports. And when you ask parents in a quiet room when they're not sitting in the stands screaming at their kids, when you ask them what their goals are, they talk about wanting their kids to learn life lessons mm-hmm. and to deal with adversity and win with grace and lose with grace. 
it's just it's just a lot of times the behavior doesn't the behavior on the sideline doesn't align with that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you couple that with kind of society's stereotypes around, you know, the Bobby Knight coaches that we see and we associate good coaching sometimes with this dominant yelling personality, mm-hmm. um, that's really the stereotype that Positive Coaching Alliance is trying to to combat is that good coaching is not, is not um, adversarial. Good coaching is positive. It doesn't mean you're not competitive. It doesn't mean that we don't want to win. And you're starting now, I think, to see good examples of that with, with folks like I'm going to, I'm in the Bay area. So I'm going to tout Steve Kerr, who's on our national advisory board. You know, there's a great example of a coach who cares about his players and he's consistently positive and he's producing wins. Mm -hmm. Um, So quickly, can we, can we just talk about how the media portrays, um, all of this. I guess we don't see, except around the Olympics, we don't see a big focus on female uh, athletes. No, the statistics I've read are something like 80 to 90% of sports coverage is male sports. And oftentimes when we do see female athletes, you know, they're highly sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that Sports Illustrated cover of Serena Williams got a lot of, a lot of coverage and, and some criticism that when you do see a woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated, she's usually in a bathing suit. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are some really unfortunate images and messages that are being sent to our boys and our girls about female athletes. Mm-hmm. And when I think about your audience, and I think about if I'm if I'm a parent, and I, I happen to have have two boys. You know, what can we do as parents to help counter this this um, these societal messages? And I, I think it's some of it is is things like taking your kids to high school and college women's sporting events. Mm-hmm. And if 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 you're not going to see it in the media yourself, finding opportunities to expose your kids to strong female athletes. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the professional athletes. You know, I work with some high school ultimate Frisbee players in the Bay area as part of a a leadership group that they're in. And what they tell me is they're most, they really want role models that are accessible. You know, it's it's great if they get a chance to see a national team play at some point, but they really want the high school girls want to see college athletes and the Mm -hmm. middle school girls want to see high school athletes. They Mm want to, they want aspirational role models that seem Mm -hmm. really accessible to them. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So it's not just the coaches, but they want to see, um, that's who they want to see. Really, really interesting. Um, are there? So we covered a couple of the issues. Have we missed any of the topics? Um, and I know it's really complicated. So we've got the lack of female coaches. <laughs> we've got the um, the way the media portrays this. We've got um, some of the other issues you discussed about um, what girls want to get out of sports. Now, isn't it also true, and I know Ben and I discussed this, that girls want something different from sports than boys do, and does that affect the dropout rate? I want to jump in on this topic because this is one that, I, as, as we've been diving in and looking at the research, I think traditionally the thought is we separate, okay, well, um, you know, women and men are different, so we've always kind of approached this topic from kind of gender stereotyping things. And, and there are, I think what we found, there are some things that are true and resonate with, uh, with groups of people. Mm-hmm. But the more that this, um, the further that we dive in, we also realize um, what really will keep kids in sports, all kids in sports is having a great coach. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl, if you have, Mm-hmm. You know, great coaching is great coaching. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, while we're talking about let's keep, you know, let's how can we reverse this trend of girls dropping out six to one, 
for us, we want to keep every kid in sport, mm-hmm. right? So um, we're going to, we want to focus in on how do we just help all coaches um, really have a positive approach to the way that they're working with kids and make it a fun experience where kids are improving, mm-hmm. getting better at their skills. And so, you know, we can, we can dive into some of the, the science behind whether girls are different than boys. And I think that when you start to get, um, when kids are starting to get to that 13 or 14 age, we see those differences become less and less because their, their competitors are competitor. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're male or, you know, and, but um, we, we tend to, I think, focus too much on the stereotypes of uh, girls and boys. Uh-huh. Well, I can say, okay, so I, I will say it because I know you don't want to say the stereotype, so I'm going to say it. And I think when I interviewed uh, Joan, she said it, girls want to connect. Um, and I've heard this many times. I've done a lot of podcasts, and that's really what I've seen. Girls see it as a way to connect and make friends and be social and feel like a group, whereas boys are a little bit more focused on you know, they do want to connect, but they are a little more more focused on, you know, learning skills and playing games. Um, so I guess that's a stereotype you don't really want to enforce in this podcast. But that's certainly what I've seen quite a bit of. Yeah, and, and I think that in some, like, to speak to what you're saying, I think girls, the, the stereotype would be that girls, when they feel that they're connected, mm-hmm. then, they're, then, then they connect to compete. So it's not that they just right. want to be in the group to – it's not like they're playing youth sports just to have friends. Right. Like they're playing youth sports because they want to win, they want to get better, and they want to be the best. Mm-hmm. But it's through that connected that that's how they reach it. Whereas guys, the stereotype would say that guys want to, even in practice, be competitive to or like to reach their full potential. So, you know what what has been discussed as well when you coach girls instead of have instead of singling out a girl have them compete as a, or like have them reach goals as a team mm-hmm. Whereas with boys. Maybe when they get to a certain level, you, you would say, um, you know, okay, let's have you go against each other in practice to help you reach your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think that's when you start to get into some of the more um, advanced um, science you know, when puberty happens and these kind of things. But on the early age, like when we're talking about the dropout rate, by the time girls are 10, 11, 12, either they're having fun and enjoying it and wanting to take it to the next level, or they've just had bad coaching. Right. I think and, a lot of or, it is the coaching. Yeah. I completely agree. But but yeah. a good coach will will see what the kid's in it for and make that happen for them. So, yeah. Um, and that's what I've seen, you know, as a player and sure. as, a, as a sports mom. Well, I know we could talk about could this. I, could I jump in? Yes. Could I jump in on this one, too? Lisa? Yeah. Well, I, I worry when we – I always get a little uncomfortable when we get too far into the gender stereotypes, especially this one about that boys don't necessarily want connection mm-hmm. because my experience in the, the boys and the men's teams that I've had the opportunity to work with is that they, they do thrive on connection. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're shortchanging our boys a bit to have that mm-hmm. stereotype. I think about all the great work that Joe Ehrman's done around helping boys connect with their emotions and, and um, not having this, uh, I, I've had coaches who will tell me, well, I can yell at the boys and I can't yell at the girls. And I think, well, maybe we shouldn't be yelling at any of them. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> maybe we've conditioned, yeah. we've conditioned the boys to take it differently, but that's probably not an effective yes. way to coach. Yes. Um, you know, I, I have, I'm an engineer by training, so my engineering background is going to come out a little bit. But when I, when I think about the spectrum of communication styles and personality types and such, 
boys versus girls, I, I think about it as two largely overlapping bell curves. Mm-hmm. So we might be able to say that, you know, in general, there's some on average, more boys are this way or more girls are that way, but there's this huge area of overlap. Mm-hmm. And the women's teams that I've played on, you know, I can think of one player in particular who she barely ever wanted to high five us. And she hated if we had a conversation where we were talking about our feelings. Mm-hmm. So I think you get, you get all personality types on different teams. And mm-hmm. just like you said, a good coach is going to coach the kids they have. They're not going to coach the gender. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, and that's great. Um, I just wanted to ask that question because it's something that I've read about and experienced myself um, and, and done podcasts about. And I know it's really, it's dicey, right? Because if, you, yeah, if yeah. you continue that stereotype, you may not be doing anyone any favors. Um, it, uh, we, we had a board, uh, some of our board members, we were talking about this topic. Um, we have an impact team that really just looks at how are we making sure Positive Coaching Alliance is really making the influence that we want in the community. And and when we were talking about this and the stereotype thing came up, um, one of the ladies just kind of looked and she was almost in tears. She was like, our poor boys, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. why do we assume that our young, like, cause she had a son and I have two sons and it, and it's like that thought of, we make this allowance that, oh, you know, boys are, it's okay to be, that's what they need to make them into men, you know, like let's, let's yeah. military them into being um, tough and, I just think uh, back to when I was a kid and my favorite coach I ever had. And I can, I mean, I can remember my dad coached me and I love that my dad coached me and we had great memories, but the best coach I ever had was coach Nancy. And she was my third grade basketball coach. And it's because she was so positive and just was going crazy on the sidelines and, and like cheering for us and having fun and practice was fun. And she gave us treats after the game and we always had this team huddle where she cheered for every player. I mean, it was just, it was a different thing. She brought a different energy. Mm-hmm. And I wish that for every kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, and speaking of stereotypes, I have an eight-year-old sitting next to me right now. And he doesn't, I think I told you this, Ben, he doesn't want to play team sports because he thinks they're too mm-hmm. competitive. Um, he, does, he, he, he doesn't like that part of them. I think he would rather do something that, uh, you know, feels connecting rather than uh, opposing. Um, well, um, great. This is just great information. Where would people go to learn more about Positive Coaching Alliance and especially this issue? So if you, you know, we have a, a website called, it's just piece, uh, positivecoach.org where you can go to learn more about Positive Coaching Alliance and how you can bring PCA into your school or your youth sports organization to partner. Uh, we also have a resource website where you can find um, all kinds of different free tools and resources and, and topical conversation um, articles and videos. And that's, it's the PCADevZone.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had over a million hits to the, the PCADevZone.org website last year. It is an unbelievable resource. So PositiveCoach.org and PCADevZone.org are the two sites that you can go to. Um, so uh, is it, it, it's D-E-V as in Victor. Yeah, it stands for Development Zone. Yeah, so okay. So PCADevZone.org. Okay, Correct. sounds great. Well, um, I look forward to doing more podcasts with you and hearing more about this issue because I personally think it's so important. Well, Thanks so much thank again for, yeah. for what you're doing and the work that you're doing to help spread this message. We really appreciate everything. Yeah, well, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you.